Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have special guests, John and Niall from Bat Minute 89. Welcome, guys. Hello. Yes, me and John are one guest. We uh, <laughs> are conjoin, the conjoined twins who do Bat Minute 89. Conjoined podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> we can join you together. It's a lot easier for recording. <laughs> Well, yeah, you can like, share the same mic and the same headphone. and, and everything yeah, It's made everything a lot cheaper, a lot easier to schedule. <laughs> Plus, when we go to like you know cosplay conventions and stuff, we can just go as that two-headed guy from He-Man. So it's just dead easy. Like, you'd be surprised at how much better life is when you're conjoined and just have two heads in the one body. <laughs> that took a strange turn right off the bat. <laughs> Doing All right. Welcome to Stuck on You Minute. <laughs> make it happen i mean yeah. it's coming like the, how, how many how many movies by minnesota are there now like 200 or something the, yeah there aren't too many movies left that that don't have uh, a podcast dedicated to them one minute at a time so yeah. just a matter of time uh but actually no we we've brought you here not to talk about uh conjoined twins what? or podcasters <laughs> we're actually here to talk about groundhog day and in particular minute 39 right so dave what's lay the smack down on on minute 39 so phil connors says to nancy taylor uh that he sat next to her at mrs walsh's english class he even asked her to prom but you know he was short then and she and he since sprouted (laughs) sprouted. so uh he tells her uh he's got this weather thing to do and for her to stay right here by the gazebo till he gets back so this is this is evil phil Oh, this boy. is bad, Phil, being really bad, and this is this is actually um, a, a good few minutes coming up because we've got well, possibly some crimes being committed. Oh yeah. So we've got the world's greatest detective podcasters <laughs> with us. <laughs> well, there's definitely, at the very least, moral crimes happening. Oh, this, yes. this yeah. I mean, it, it gets a lot worse in the second minute, but uh, yeah, there is for sure. If if this movie was released like today, we would be getting like loads of articles at least going like we need to talk about how problematic Groundhog Day is. Like, just... I mean, that's essentially what happened with Passengers. Yeah. With uh, you got the most attractive actors in a movie, but the storyline revolves around a guy being so alone on a spaceship that he decides, well, I guess I'm going to take the, the attractive lady and take her out of the uh, out of the pod and say hey let's go die together on this spaceship but I'll lie to you the whole time yeah. that was a malfunction like that's mm. it's dark but to <laughs> me that's what's interesting about that like you don't have to love the the lead character he doesn't have to be someone you look up to and want to emulate it's more interesting that they're flawed and and strange yeah i think like it, it's it's more interesting as well because even with like passengers and with Groundhog Day, it kind of confronts you as a person with like, you know, you're, you can sit there on your, on your moral high horse and go like, this is absolutely repugnant. But if you were in that situation, would you not be tempted to be like, if you, like with passengers, if you were stuck with the likelihood of living the rest of your life entirely alone on a spaceship and you had a ready, ready th- full thing of passengers there, you could just wake up anyone you wanted. 
would you not be tempted to go like, maybe I should wake somebody up? <laughs> and if you had this whole thing of like, essentially, Phil's in the position of like, master of time and space, basically. It's like, I can kind of do... <laughs> And like as we get throughout the rest of this week, like we don't know how many people he does it to. Like it could be exclusively Nancy Taylor, or he could. By the end of this movie, he could have been like, "I've been with everyone in the town. Like I've I've been with Chris Elliott. I've been with everybody." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that if they remake the movie, not that they should. Please don't remake it. Definitely if they do, that has to come in. Yeah, I mean, it is a dark side of humanity, but it does make you question. Like if you're your back's against the wall, and you have like a more like you know. Uh, you're faced with a moral quandary with seemingly no consequences. Would you not? Would you not be a little tempted? Or you know, it, it's it, it does it does confront you with some. Uh, well, yeah, that's some the things. thing. Like you say, like the seemingly no consequences. I think that's kind of the problem. That lead that would lead you to becoming this kind of guy. Yeah. Like, um, for instance, you know, if you know everything is going to reset, you know mm-hmm. that for a fact now at this point. So life would kind of be like a video game. It'd be like you're playing Grand Theft Auto, you know. You kill the people in that. doesn't matter. doesn't make a difference because they'll be there again when you turn it on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's one of the aspects that makes this interesting because the catch is, I'm sure we've all heard like kind of almost a parlor game just to say, try, try to con- construct some situation where you could get away with with some crime and would you do it? Mm. And the problem is it's always a hypothetical because there's in real life, there's no perfect plan. There's no guarantee you're going to get away with it. Whereas in this situation, Phil, as long as the loop keeps going and he doesn't know what would stop it. So yeah, as long as the day resets, he truly can get away with anything. And not only, not only is he, going to get away with it in terms of the law he's not going to get arrested and have to go to court and and all that stuff if he if he breaks the law but the person that you know if he if he's done something against another person or with or to that person they're going to be reset they won't be aware they won't have any lasting physical effect it'll be as if nothing had happened to them but phil remembers it yeah. So it's he he doesn't escape his own mind if it's so if you truly think you can just do something that that it's possible to have no consequence then he is in that situation but is does your own memory of yeah. the thing you've done knowing you're a bad guy mm. is that is that a consequence? I would like I'd be interested in seeing a version of Groundhog Day because you know now it's become such a trope in like TV shows that if you go long enough, eventually they'll go like, "We'll do like a Groundhog Day episode," because you know <laughs> someone's stuck in the same day over and over. And, mm-hmm. um, I'd really like to see one where like someone's going like through what Phil's going, and then midway through, that's when the loop breaks. So it's like after he's just like <laughs> killed fifty people and robbed the bank, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh crap." <laughs> And he's sitting in court going, you don't understand. I was in a time loop. I thought the yeah. day was going to reset. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of like watching these minutes uh, again. And I think I feel bad for Nancy and not for the obvious reason that she's being lied to to get a romantic one night stand for, for, for Phil. Mm. But it's like we don't see we don't see any of her friends like she's kind of she's alone here at the at the uh, at the at Gobbler's Knob. And then she's later alone at the diner, and I'm and then we and I we see her alone walking the streets 
when when Phil goes to that movie theater, it's it's kind of like what it like like I kind of feel bad. You're like, oh man, this this nice girl, this nice lady. That's the thing. She's an adult. She should have like a boyfriend, at least some other friends around. And she's like at this, this and it seems to be in this town alone, having no other plans with anyone for Groundhog Day, and it's like this guy comes along into her. Oh, it's an old friend. So she sees it as kind of like, Oh, what a serendipitous thing. This guy, I don't even remember from my high school comes back. He mm. seems like a really nice guy. He's got, uh, he knows a lot of things about me and Oh, he's a, he's a nice weatherman. Like he's got a stable job. I can, I can be with him. Mm. And it's just like, you know, her day's going to reset and she's just going to be back to just, you know, just, you know, uh, mid to late thirties, Nancy, not nothing's going on oh that's depressing it is that's <laughs> me. it is oh yeah doing these these minute summaries i sit there and i'm trying to keep the summary down to like three sentences and it's hard because i start trying to i trail off and be like oh geez like the summary is going to lead to dark <laughs> some really dark territory because i keep thinking about like you know to fail the day is going to reset but these people's lives i said nancy you think nancy should have somebody to that she's seeing the ground, not, not even a boyfriend or her husband, but at least like another girlfriend of hers that me, they meet up together. She doesn't yeah. see anybody and say, "Oh, Susan, I was at Gobbler's Knob and I ran into this guy, yeah, Phil Connors." And it's like, I don't, I was, I don't remember any Phil. You know, like there's none of that. Like it just feels like this guy comes into her life this day, and to Nancy, that's like the greatest thing. Mm. Oh, that's just upsetting. Nothing know, else happens I'm sorry. in this woman's day. <laughs> But I feel like we gotta. It's like this is we gotta talk about all the little minutia uh, about these this little town, all these people that Phil's gonna see over and over again. Uh. I suppose if she did have some friends, it might, as you say, it might um, ruin his whole scheme he's got going. Because she, yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be a good scene in the movie, actually. Um, you know, where she mentions him and they're all like, "Who are you talking about?" Because it's it's baffling to me anyway that I know he's lying, obviously, but the, the story he sells it. You know, oh, he asked her to the prom. How the hell would you not remember someone who asked you to the what prom, the, even if it was like <laughs> the, <laughs> the kid at school nobody liked? You know? That's kind of my, like you, know, you, you, you guys are you've got a, like a much more idealized version of Nancy than like that I got from because like it's, potentially she is a very nice woman, but from the little bits we see of her in and around this scene, I didn't I don't know if she was that nice a person because Ooh. when Phil first approaches her like earlier on, she seems very dismissive of him. And then mm-hmm. even later on, when you know, in the later minutes this week, when it says like, "Hey, Nancy," she kind of gives him this really disgusted look of like, "Who is this? Who's this asshole talking to me?" Mm. And it's like, and then the fact that he's told her a story of like, "Oh, you know, I asked you to the prom and you just rejected me," and she just accepts that, like, "Oh, you know, that, that's the kind of yeah, I would have rejected you." <laughs> but I, I have a think maybe she yeah. was like, you know, the 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 classic uh, high school. Mean girl, you know, head cheerleader type who was just like, oh yeah, I was really popular in school, and I wouldn't have talked mm. to a, I wouldn't remember a little short dweeb. Like yeah, him, I see that. him telling me this is like, yeah, that that sounds like me. You know, like that's that's the, that's kind of the way the way mine went. But maybe I'm a, a lot more cynical than you. No, I, you're miserable, pile. <laughs> no, I could see. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's like it's fine. It's like what she did in high school. Is like, do we judge this? Do we judge this this woman what she did when she was sixteen, seventeen? Do we judge that for the rest of her life? I don't know. No, but. But for Phil, he probably can see that, like maybe, like, I, and I, I like to think that he's probably attempted these conversations a few times before we've seen this moment. Yes, I like it, and I think it's that he, you know, or he gets the the detailed information from her the first time at the Tip Top Cafe. Okay, now he's got that banked. All right, he was the high school, he was the English class, 
And so he probably uses a few phrases over a few days and maybe he's not really making the connection he wants with her. So he goes, Oh, it's fine. We'll catch up later. He does this thing. And then he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, talk to her later. He'll approach it the next day on a new way. And I was talking to Sean about this, how he kind of approaches her the same way Ned to him, where it's kind of like you tell these details about when you're young and then, yeah, you supplant a little thing like a little guilty thing about, about me when I was there. It's like, you know, he had the shingles and stuff and, and dated his sister where Phil goes like, oh, I'll say I was a little short. <laughs> and I, I've said spurted. And, and as I said, he probably says certain key phrases and he sees how they work. It would have been great, though, just, had there been the scene of him going like, oh, yeah, Phil Connors from high school. I had the shingles. And she's like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, uh, see ya. And then I gotta go do yeah. this groundhog thing. And he's yeah. like, all right, next. Like, don't bring up the shingles. Don't, don't try bring the up shingles. the shingles. Yeah. You've just made me realize, actually, I've started playing a video game that's almost exactly the same concept. And I didn't realize. Maybe subconsciously it made me buy the game. It's because uh, it's called the Sexy Brutal. Ooh. And you have to solve. It's, it's very quirky kind of um, masquerade ball murder mystery kind of thing. And you have hmm. to like the day resets constantly. And you have to like do multiple passes. Like so, you you have one go, and you get some information that'll help you on the second go. That'll get you some information that'll help you on the third go. It's the same damn thing as this. They've just stolen the idea. <laughs> uh, Sexy brut- is that on Steam? It is indeed. I'll take a look oh. at it. All right, I'll take a look at that. Uh, well, so the well, the first question I had is, do they have prom in England or Northern Ireland? Did you guys know what? What they were talking about there? Oh, it, it, we had we didn't call it prom, but we did have a thing. It was just called the formal, which like is, a formal dance at the end of yeah, end the end of the secondary school, yeah, that, yeah, okay. secondary school. But yeah, okay. it, it wasn't as quite as uh, like there was a whole thing like you had to have a like at least in my school we had to have like a dinner and stuff and like because it was a Catholic school the priest came along to have, give a speech <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> But you know, beyond that, though, it was the same. They had like a like a cheesy band there, made up of students, and people just danced and dressed up mm. and stuff. But uh, it wasn't anywhere near as big a deal as like American TV makes it out to be. So <laughs> it seems to be like again, I'm only gleaning this from American media that like the prom is like the biggest thing of senior you've, year and stuff. Yeah. It's more important than your final exams, essentially. You've got all your talking points from Artie Zip on uh, yeah. on the American prom. <laughs> See, when I went to school, um, they didn't, they had a dance, but again, it wasn't called the prom. I don't even think over here it had a name other than just like the leavers dance or something, you know. Um, And it wasn't a, it wasn't a big thing, as Niall said. But I also have been to an American school um, because I used to live in Pakistan and I went to the American school in Pakistan. (laughs) Very convoluted. So I have, Mm -hmm. they, they did have um proms so i know the whole concept of it and stuff and they had they, they went the whole hog that you see in movies you know the prom king and queen so it was quite interesting for me to mm. to see that firsthand <laughs> and it was fascinating to me because john told me about this i was like oh that's amazing and he's just and he said like <laughs> oh yeah i remember the the prom king kevin uh ram ramziki or something i think his name rambiki rambiki kevin rambiki <laughs> and i was like oh my god so what was he like the the kind of like Aryan quarterback jock and all this kind of thing. And then John managed to track him down on the internet one time and showed me a picture of him. And he's just this really skinny, dweeby looking guy. <laughs> like, that's the prom king? Oh, this, this defies everything. No, I'm supposed he's to think. cool. He's still cool, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. And I think, well, I found it interesting that 
recent research has kind of borne out this tactic that Phil is using to implant memories into Nancy here, mm-hmm. that the key is you take you take some general truths of Nancy went to this high school and she had this English teacher and so forth, and then you implant very specific things inside the general truth. And because, be, just because of the aura of plausibility around it to say, well, yeah, I attended this, I had this English teacher in this high school, so it's possible there was a guy in my, you know, that this person could have been in my class and who I wouldn't necessarily was, remember it. And, yeah. yeah, but who is short and sat behind her. So he perfectly puts a memory literally behind her Mm -hmm. because you don't you don't remember too many peep times you like turned around in class but you you may remember who was in the front you may remember like you know what the teacher's desk looked like because you're constantly looking at it but like you never got a chance too many times in high school to turn around and talk to the person behind you because you you know you get caught that kind of thing and he says oh i was short so even then he's kind of like oh i'm even more obscure miscellaneous uh (laughs) you know like yeah. in your memory, like yeah, you like he's giving the hint, the 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 hint that like oh yeah, you're not going to remember me actually. So she just finds some short guy in high school or memory. And she goes, Bing, that must have been Bing, <laughs> that must have been Phil. Yeah. yeah, and then he sprouts into the towering oak that is Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that ties into something I was just about to ask. Right, how tall is Bill Murray? Because he doesn't look like he sprouted any. He he looks. Like quite a short man. Maybe that's supposed he to be. He's tallest. He he's like six six, I believe. Is he? Is he? Really? How, how tall is she <laughs> then? Because look at look at the the shot. He doesn't look that head. much taller than her. But it could be like yeah. perspective and thing. Yeah, but it looks it looks like yeah he has a, they almost are like have like five to six inches on every person around them. Oh, I'm sorry, he's six two. Oh, okay. He's six He's two. taller than me. So he's not so, super okay. tall, but he's 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 taller than I am. I just always assumed like he was like just like. Like maybe maybe five foot. Yeah, something. he looks like you know, a short guy. Something about to indicate that he would be. I don't know what it is. It's, it's the way he's framed in a lot of films. Maybe he just always has very tall co-stars as well. That's. Hmm. I'm sure, like Harold Ramis in Ghostbusters, he seems like he's a pretty lanky guy. So, or he was back then. Plus, with the Egon hair, that adds on another like two feet. So. <laughs> Minimum, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe they got like yeah. people who are in their like uh, like mid five foot range to stand around them for better framing so no one's head like you know mm. gets in the way of any of the shots <laughs> like the two of them do look like they're almost towering compared to the other people in the we'll shot i'm on the old uh the old wooden box <laughs> Ooh, is that true yeah. that keaton he had to stand on a lot of boxes with kim i think it was a it was just a lot of the the way they framed the shots and stuff they kind of got around it i don't know if they ever actually uh, brought out the Apple card for it, but I imagine like when he's in the bat suit, there'll be lifts and and whatnot. In the, uh, there's lifts in the boots, and so it, it sometimes yeah, it depends. Okay. But yeah, they they do or did mm. do that quite a quite yeah. a bit. I think it was, like, most of the shots of them, they're either sitting down or she like the, the you know one of the big scenes with the two of them together. She sat down and he's standing above her. So I think that might have been that could, that could have been a strategic choice and and, and whatnot as well. But uh, I know that was the one I always remember hearing was. Wasn't it uh, Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca? They had to dig little, little trenches for her to walk around in because, like, she was so much taller than Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> so she was constantly <laughs> walking around in like, a, a little trench. They had to around. <laughs> That's the a great image stuff. in my head. 
I remember Freddie Prince Jr. said when he was doing 24 with with uh, with Kiefer Sutherland that Freddie Prince I know is a tall guy. You could tell him from a lot of his his movies when he's doing in mm. the uh, in like you know his teenage movies. But yeah, like I know Kiefer Sutherland's probably like mid five, and I think Freddie Prince is probably like yeah easily over six. And I think he said something about like yeah he couldn't wear shoes. And sometimes they would have a platform for Kiefer Sutherland to, like, if they were doing some kind of walk and talk, they would do it at, like, mid-height. So, like, they were both, like, a little bit more evened out. So it wasn't like Kiefer Sutherland's like, I gotta get the terrorists. And his eyes are looking almost straight up at (laughs) Freddie Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get the terrorists. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I'm sorry. Like I know you guys, you guys have talked about. I'm not too sure whether to leave this for like now or could put it in the next episode because you do get a little snippet of it at the beginning. But uh, I know you, you fellas would have talked about Pennsylvania polka and whatnot already. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, have you have you touched on uh, Jean Luan and the, the the polka king and all that business, or does that not popped up yet? No, no, we've no. we've been saving that. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, do you want, shush, Niall. Do you want me to? to I, I can back off if you want, if you, if you want to save it for. If you no, want. no, the, we we've been saving it for just this time. So oh, okay, oh fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Um, but yeah, like uh, because of, I remember the day you guys aired the pilot of this, I was actually watching like the the new Jack Jack Black Netflix movie all about him, which mm-hmm. is uh, it was obviously inspired by the documentary made made about him. And the the documentary is way better. Like it's the Jack Black film does not uh, doesn't stand up to much scrutiny at all, which is a shame because it's <laughs> wow. Never I've never heard that before. <laughs> What's what is the movie called? It's called uh, well the 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 documentary is called The Man Who Would Be Poker King, and then the okay. the film's is called The Poker King. But yeah, it's about oh. uh, Jean Luan, who was a Polish immigrant who came to the U.S. And like I was actually introduced to him through. A guy who came on to Batman to end up talking about him, our friend Kit Flemons, who also plays the accordion, and um, mm-hmm. essentially, like, yeah, he was. It comes across as being like a very nice, kind of simple man who was completely oblivious to how insanely illegal the things he was doing was. But essentially, like, he was getting people to invest in in him and in the band and stuff and like organizing holiday packages, but then you just get money from one people and then use that money to pay the other person back. And it was all this sort of circle of just like incredible embezzlement of all these people. And they were giving him literally like hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it was bizarre because like, particularly in the documentary, you're just baffled as to how he was doing some of the things. Cause he would offer them package holidays where he would take them. And all this guy was, his entire thing was that he was just a polka band leader. And he had, like, a little crappy shop. And people loved him because he was a very charismatic front man. And at one point, though, like, they're sitting in a documentary talking about him. Like, he must have had something going on because he introduced people to the Pope several times. And you're like, <laughs> what? And it shows you pictures what? of him with the Pope. And it's just like, how did he get the Pope? Was the Pope wrapped up in this polka scam as well? Oh, <laughs> we've uncovered something. And uh, does oh. polka yeah. goes all the way to the top? And uh, but yeah, I started getting into like even more things like, um, like his wife was played by Jenny Slate in, in the movie. Like at one point, he it's never official that he did it, but it's very obvious that he blatantly rigged a beauty competition so she would win it and stuff, even though she was about ten years overage to be in it and things like that. Ooh. And. Um, <laughs> Eventually, he did get sent to prison for like you know a couple of years, and it, it's one of the things like the, the film and the documentary both kind of treat like the people who sent him down as being kind of the bad guys because like he was he just seemed to be like oblivious to what he was doing, 
<laughs> and these are all people who had loads of money anyway, and they're just giving him a little bit. So there's a lot of this is like, well, you wanted your money. You were told you were going to get 20% back. It was all out of your selfishness. That's why this man went to prison. And it's like, no, he just broke the law, and that's why he went to prison. <laughs> but the, 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 the film itself, the, the, the Jack Black film, not that much worth watching, but the documentary is great. And uh, it, uh, the only reason Jack Black film stuck out in my mind is because at one point he does perform Pennsylvania Polka in, in the movie. And, oh. Uh, at the okay. end of it, you get to see some footage that you don't see in the documentary of the real life uh, Jean Luan performing a rap song that he wrote in prison. Oh. <laughs> Which is like a polka rap song. And oh, yes. If you find it on YouTube, there's people going in the comments like, it's weird that he can, he can really rap. And no, he can't. Like, he is <laughs> terrible at it. And it's not like, just that... Like, poker rap is the new upcoming genre. Yeah, but it's a full-on poker <laughs> pump thing going on behind him. But he's just singing all this, like, you know, every minute of my life, I wanted to be famous. I never did anything heinous. And it's like, that's not rapping. Half <laughs> oh. kind of the time, he's off the beat and everything. He's like, this is, what? Like, I'm not an expert on rap. Maybe a, maybe if an expert of rap came in, he would be able to go. No, this guy's amazing at this. But to me, it sounded like, admittedly interesting trash. But <laughs> I think any time you you get someone like that involved in releasing a song, it's always trash. Nile, like my my favorite band, the Sex Pistols, even did that. I mean, they got Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber. He's quite famous here, or infamous. Mm. They they got him to do a song while he was hiding out in Brazil, <laughs> <laughs> and it's awful. It's absolutely terrible. Like John Lydon had left the band by this point. Like he just didn't want any anything to do with any of them, <laughs> <laughs> and that was their solution for how to carry on. Get Ronnie Biggs, the train robber who accidentally killed someone on the song. Yeah. Great. <laughs> wow. I guess like well, he's like the pro- prototype punk. There you go. <laughs> That's the way they tried to sell it. But I don't think anybody was buying it. You know. <laughs> All right, we 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 clearly we got all the notes from eight thirty nine. I want to see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess I guess is it. We we gotta see now. Will he proceed with Nancy? We'll find out. Mm. <laughs> I will. One other note that really stood out to me in this minute that I have to bring up is it just me or does Bill Murray say the word back weird? Like he says, like I'll be right back, and it's a really <laughs> it's like a real back. Like I don't. I never noticed. I didn't even know if he was putting it on as part of his sort of. Like he was trying to sound like he was from the town or something. Ah, well, the way he says his own name sounds Biak. ridiculous. I love it. The way he says Phil Connors. Mm. I thought you meant Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. He can't pronounce Bill Murray now. That's a good question. Yeah, he says Biak. Mm. I thought it... Right, Because he is putting on, like... Bear. This This is the most performative he is. Like, this is... this. You know, for what we know of Phil Connors throughout this, he's not this enthusiastic, usually. So the whole thing strikes me as this is is just all act. So I wouldn't oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yes. if he's you know altering his voice slightly to pretend like he's from the town and stuff. That's yeah. I think that's I think Lee. The only time I've ever heard the word "biak" said like that strong is when Tina Fey does a a stereotypical Pennsylvania <laughs> sound when she's like on SNL or something. <laughs> well, so maybe that's what he's trying to do. Although. Yeah. So Nancy's from Pittsburgh, but she's got the the actress uh, Marita. She's from Chicago. She's got a pretty strong Chicago accent. So maybe Phil's just trying to match her. Mm. Is Bill Murray from the Chicago area too? Um, because he's like a big Cubs fan, right? Yeah, I do believe he's from Illinois. Um, Wilmot. 
All right, so it's like two people from Illinois have to now pretend to sound like people from, <laughs> from Western Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's acting for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's acting. <laughs> All right. All right. So we we John Nile, we want to thank you oh. for being on with us today by the gazebo. <laughs> and it was a lovely day by the gazebo. Thank it you. was. <laughs> now, if our our listeners they they want to hear more of you, I, we all know it. They do. Where, we, we where can they find you? Well, if you if you really insist on following this up with with listening to us some more, uh, we are everywhere online. Our show, Bat Minute eighty nine, um, it's it's wrapped up actually. The first season mm. when when you hear this, um, we're gearing up for season two. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have the Bat Minute eighty nine Listener Society. You can you can join that and message us and have fun with everyone. Post memes. We like memes. Oh yes, lots of memes. <laughs> and we are on Twitter, just at Bat Minute eighty nine. In fact, just put at Bat Minute eighty nine in anywhere, and you'll probably find us. Uh, computer Bat Minute eighty nine. <laughs> I guarantee it'll work. <laughs> All right. Well, so yeah. Thanks again, John and Niall. Um, hopefully, you guys can can come back and join us again uh, for the next minute tomorrow. And uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. All right. Well, and so listeners, maybe you you folks can listen tomorrow. But uh, so that's it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow if there is one. Be right back. <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs>